Pro Se, Law 360's weekly podcast. I'm your host, Amber McKinney. In honor of the Oscars this weekend, we're doing a special episode of Pro Se this week focused on our very own awards for the best in legal movies. Here to hand out the awards with me are my co-hosts, Bill Donahue. Hello, hello. And Alex Lawson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, oh, wait. No, that's that's later. I'm yeah, sorry. I, I know I, we're very excited. And I'm excited, too. This is going to be I a really know. fun episode. But we do want to do some big news up top because sure. some stuff happened. It felt weird to not mention it, even though we do want to get to our awards. The news had the temerity to march on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whose idea <laughs> I know, that it's was. it's wild. But, okay. So on Monday, the full Second Circuit, the full en banc Second Circuit, issued a really important ruling that... Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which bans gender discrimination in the workplace, also covers discrimination against gay employees. Um, It was a reversal of years of its own precedent. Uh, It was an en banc ruling, as, as we said, which are incredibly rare in the Second Circuit. And it added fuel to this sort of circuit split over this issue of over whether Title VII covers sexual orientation. Yeah, this is a big one. So can you give us some more details about the case and like background of what was going on? Yeah, so it was brought by the estate of this guy, Donald Zarda, um, who was a former skydiving instructor on Long Island. Good facts. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, this is a serious case, but <laughs> yeah, that is just an inherently yeah. funny sentence. Uh, but continue. Uh, <laughs> so he sued his employer for violating Title VII after he was, um, he was fired after a customer complained that he was gay and he was fired. So he sued his employer saying that, that they had discriminated against him yeah. based on his sexual orientation. So Title VII doesn't explicitly cover sexual orientation. It covers gender. Mm-hmm. But rights advocates have are arguing for a long time that orientation discrimination is inextricably linked to gender bias. Yeah, that, that you know, it's it involves gender-based uh, discrimination against the person that you're that you're seeing yeah. against. Um, and you it's know, a lot about like stereotypes that are associated exactly, with gender. Exactly. So it's it's you know, and so going into this, um, we'll get into a little bit. There, there's been other cases about this, but going into this, it, there was a lot of high-profile support. Big companies, Google, Microsoft, CBS, yeah. all came in on the side of Zarda, on the side of the the plaintiff, arguing that that yes, this law should cover. That um, the Trump administration very notably filed a brief in the case, arguing the other way that, that mm-hmm. the law only covers gender bias, and if you want to change it, Congress should should change it. So where did the court come out on this? So what the court said was, and I think we have a really great quote, so I'm just going to read it. Yeah. Um, quote: Sexual orientation discrimination is a subset of sex discrimination because sexual orientation is defined by one's sex in relation to the sex of those to whom one is attracted making it impossible for an employer to discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation without taking sex into account. And there it is right there. Like you were just saying, like you can't, like if you discriminate against someone because they're gay, you are inherently making a judgment about uh, who they're attracted exactly. to because of their own gender. Exactly. Like that's, that's that's where the link comes. Right. So let's talk a little bit about why this matters. It's creating a circuit split, I think you mentioned up top. Yeah, well, and we've talked about it. We talked about it last year on the podcast. Mm-hmm. The Seventh Circuit was the first court to adopt this new interpretation of Title VII. Similarly issued an en banc ruling that overturned all of their own precedent, saying that, yes, this law is, you can't you can't have a gender discrimination law and not have it applied to sexual orientation. On the other side, a month before that ruling came out, the 11th Circuit issued this ruling that explicitly said that the law only covers gender. And so now you have this circuit split, but the Second Circuit coming out, you know, so much business happens in New York, so much, it's anything the Second Circuit does, anything the Second or the Ninth Circuit do, you know, are a big deal. It's going to move the needle. Exactly. So now you've got this other 
really important court weighing in on the more novel end of this circuit split. So, you know, we always say it could go to the Supreme Court when you have a circuit split, but but this seems more likely to to be something that the justices would want to take up. It's a really interesting case. Uh, You're going to gear up to cover this someday, hopefully, at Circuit and Corner. Yeah, maybe. And well, furthermore, I was going to say, I mean, I think it would it's an interesting case and I think it would make a great movie. So, I mean, we'll stay tuned on that front as well. Welcome to Pro Se's first annual Academy Law Awards, a celebration of achievements in the field of films about law. Who will take home the Pro Z for best argument or for most disparaging portrayal of a lawyer? Stay tuned. In this country, our courts are the great levelers. In our courts, all men are created equal. Next time you come into my courtroom, you will look loyally. And I mean, you comb your hair and wear a suit and tie. And that suit better be made out of some kind of cloth. Your Honor, I object! And why is that, Mr. Reed? Because it's devastating to my case! Overruled. Good call! Mr. Kirkland, you are out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order. Welcome to the proceeds, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> very excited to be here. I would have dressed up in like a proper tuxedo, like for a real award show, but it's it's still very hot. You're taking awesome. away the veneer of this. I was going to just pretend it was in a gown. I, well... well to be clear, I am wearing a tuxedo right now. Very so. good. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You right. gave us a great intro into this, so you had to go big. It was, it was good. I mean, I mean, what are you talking about? That was our. Who was that? <laughs> who was that handsome sounding man who did the? Yeah. Hello. I mean, for our listeners, I think this show will be no big surprise. I'm a big movie buff. I go to an Oscar movie marathon every year. Yeah. Um, Alex, Bill, both big movie guys. We've been gesturing at this on the margins. Sure. Uh, yeah. In in the show canon for a while. And so, so now we're going to formalize it with actual awards for what we think is the best in legal cinema. It's going to be fun because I think we we were talking about this off the air, but I think you'll have seen most of the movies yeah. and you'll know these references, but it's it's fun to celebrate these these scenes, you know, these legal these courtroom scenes, the the fake lawyers in these movies. It's it's going to be fun. Furthermore, uh the Oscars these days are taking about 4 hours. We're going to hope to be done with this in just over 20 minutes. Yeah, we're going to keep this a little bit tighter. So that'll be good. Yeah, so let's get right into that. Let's do it. The very first award Best settlement negotiation. And before we get into our runner-up, let's just say spoiler alert. Yeah. For the whole show. For the whole show. So it, it, you don't know what movies are in it yet, but uh, if, well, if you start hearing about a movie and you haven't seen it, yeah, maybe press, fast forward. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So watch, fir- watch some legal movies, then come back to us. No, our first runner-up, which could have been the winner. Yeah. It was a, this was a contest, the hotly contested race. Michael Clayton, starring George Clooney. Yes. So 2007, Tony Gilroy. Set everyone up here. George Clooney is a corporate lawyer at a sort of thinly veiled big law firm, Mm -hmm. and he has discovered that a big client in a uh, uh, products liability 
case. Yeah. That they've committed some very serious wrongdoing, and his partner is uh, murdered. Yeah, it, the by the by the client, and then they attempt to to kill him, and he has miraculously survived. And he confronts the uh, the general counsel about it. All right, I'm going to make it easy. Let's make it five, five, and I'll forget about Arthur. Five is easier. Yeah, five is something we we could talk about. Good. And then the other five is to forget about the 468 people that you knocked off with your weed killer. Let me finish up this meeting. I'll talk to Do Don. I look like I'm negotiating? Karen? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, and we didn't even we didn't even say that there's a, maybe even a better line earlier in the scene where he yells, like, you don't kill me! I'm not the guy you kill! I'm the guy you buy. But what's amazing here is that, like, it's, you know, as if you've seen the movie, he's... he's He's recording her, and he's not actually negotiating that settlement. That's so it's right. fun. It plays yeah. on this. It sort of subverts the thing that you know that we're talking about here. This this settlement negotiation. The and last ten minutes of this movie should be like playing on a loop in the Smithsonian. Yeah, it rules so hard. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty hard one to beat. So, what did we select as the winner that actually beat Michael Clayton? Uh, as the winner, we have um, Steven Soderbergh's 2000 uh, legal drama uh, comedy drama. Aaron Brockovich, oh yeah, Julia Roberts, and which is a movie I love, and also uh, uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Brockovich. Julia Roberts won the Oscar for this movie. It was sort of her big, her finally, you know, mm-hmm. coming yep. of age in Hollywood and stuff like that. Uh, if you forgot, the plot in brief is that uh, also involves product liability sure. case, uh, where you know settlement negotiations are often pretty, a of, and a lot of legal movies do because it's yeah. you know it's it's probably a place where more people interact with the law than anywhere else. That's a good point. And yeah. This one's based on a true story. It was so. based on a true story. Yeah. It was about uh, massive product liability litigation in California against uh, a power company, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E. And uh, Julia Roberts plays Aaron Brockovich, who is a single mom who, um, you know, sort of backs her way into a paralegal career and pulls herself up by her bootstraps. And, right. Uh, you know, really kind of like makes a makes a scene with her her brash demeanor and 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 uh, unconventional I like the, tactics. <laughs> I like the movie because it's got a real feminist vibe. Totally. It's sure. The, you know, women can do it all. We can. Well, you know, and as as people will notice as we go through here. Women are underrepresented, as they are in the legal industry, in legal movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, her her character's whole modus operandi is is on full display in one of their first uh, meetings for settlement talks uh, with the PG&E Council. Second of all, these people don't dream about being rich. They dream about being able to watch their kids swim in a pool without worrying that they'll have to have a hysterectomy at the age of 20 like Rosa Diaz, a client of ours, or have their spine deteriorate like Stan Bloom, another client of ours. So before you come back here with another lame-ass offer, I want you to think real hard about what your spine is worth, Mr. Walker, or what you might expect someone to pay you for your uterus, Miss Sanchez. Then you take out your calculator and you multiply that number by 100. Anything less than that is a waste of our time. That is just one of, like... I don't know, Woo. 10 or 11, like like 95 mile an hour fastball Julia Roberts monologue yeah. she has. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could see why she was so eager to take the part and why she rightly won uh, uh, an award for it. Um, there's another great scene where um, there's like 400 plaintiffs in this case and her boss is like needling her about, uh, you know, 
like not 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 keeping proper records and stuff like sure. that. She starts rattling off like random biographical details of like all four hundred plaintiffs just mm-hmm. off the top of her head. Um, it's incredible. Uh, it's a wonderful movie. Uh, that big year for Steven Soderbergh, by the way. He did that in Traffic, same year. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, it's great. Uh, and if you haven't seen it in a while, I'd urge you to revisit it. And what's our uh, what's our next category? So we're moving from something where we're applauding the attorneys who've done really good things <laughs> to yeah. one where. Some attorneys may be familiar with this portrayal out in the media. We're going to do most disparaging portrayal of an attorney because there were a lot we could consider for this category. Well, unshockingly, this this is a category that we have three in yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah. it's 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 not hard to find. Right. So our first runner up, it would be hard to mention a movie where you take Peter Pan yeah. and you have him grow up. And what is the most horrific job that he could possibly work? What would what would most ruin the most joyless the, mo- yeah. the most joyful story yeah. of 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 wonderful childhood? He became a lawyer. <laughs> we kill pirates. I'm not a pirate. So happens I am a lawyer. Kill the lawyer! I'm not that kind of lawyer. That great. Uh, if you didn't, that chance says it all. If right? you didn't recognize it, that was the movie Hook. Yeah, uh, Steven Spielberg's take on the on on the grown up Peter Pan. Um, great. So, it, that's in the canon of wonderful legal movies. Sure. I mean, it, everyone knows it. Everyone talks about it. <laughs> a good place to start. Uh, yeah. Also in that vein, uh, another stalwart of the legal. Ooh, and genre. another Steven Spielberg. Oh, I didn't even realize that until yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, from 1993, uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, a team of experts. Uh, scientists, mathematicians uh, are brought in to assess the, you know, risks and liability of a uh, a, a park where dinosaurs have been revived uh, sure. f- f- from extinction. Uh, one of them includes the lawyer who is understandably prickly about the project until he sees that there's a lot of money to be made. And uh, the proprietor of the park, John Hammond, uh, takes note of that in a uh, in a lunch meeting. I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe it. You're meant to come down here and defend me against these characters, and the only one I've got on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. Thank you. <laughs> and just to follow that point to its logical conclusion, if it wasn't already clear that the movie is has contempt for the lawyer, uh, that character is later uh, eaten by a Tyrannosaurus Rex while he is sitting on a toilet. There we go. There I was going to say, like we the got, ultimate lawyer joke. We have Great. to stress while, while on the can. Great. <laughs> Correct. So, guys, that is not the winner. Even those are great selections. Uh-huh. Our yeah. winner in this category is Devil's Advocate. Yes, sure. That was a Keanu Reeves Al Pacino movie. And <laughs> it's impossible for anything to beat that depiction of attorneys because Al Pacino is the actual devil. The literal devil. Yeah. Who is posing as the head of a giant law firm. It would be hard. It would be very hard for us to not just have that. Yeah. But actually, the reason I think this one wins isn't because of Al Pacino. I think it's because of Keanu Reeves. Why? Because his his accent is so terrible? That is also true. (laughs) He's got a great, like, Florida panhandle thing going on. The whole conceit of the movie starts when he is, like you said, a Florida attorney. He's Gainesville. And he's never lost a case. Yeah. He realizes right before the end of a trial that he is defending a teacher who molested a child. <laughs> yeah. And still decides to rip apart the victim on the stand so that he won't lose. Yeah. yeah. There was a big there was a big theme of that in like the nineties of like people who that, that, that like every no one you don't deserve uh, you don't deserve your civil liberties. There was a lot like with like cops should should push the line a little further. Yeah. And, like yeah. this one is just the the ultimate in lawyers are evil. Exactly. Their morality is all messed right. up. Yeah. Let's make a movie about them 
actually being in league with the devil. That Correct. movie that movie is so out of its mind. I remember I was too young to go see it. It came out in 1997. And I remember my parents went and saw it. And my dad, of course, loved it because he loves Al Pacino. And my mom looked like she had seen like a literal ghost. <laughs> well, like, and, and there's crazy CGI too, right? Yeah, like, well, and, Al, yeah. and then like Al Pacino, like, like it impregnates Charlie's Theron with his like demon seed. Yeah. He's like Keanu Reeves' wife. There's so much crazy stuff going on. Then at the end, he goes like full Al Pacino and like says, Vanity. Definitely my favorite sin. Yes, I knew we were going to get. That's, knew, that's I, where you get with that movie. Looking over at the producers, I knew we were going to get a Pacino impression before. Uh, yes. What's next? All right. So for our next category, we want to talk about outbursts on the stand. It's a trope that's in a lot of movies. Maybe our most famous legal clips here. This is a staple of the legal genre. You know, I mean, this is what makes it more interesting than what actually happens. In right. The I mean, well, uh, expert what... expert witnesses uh, like standing there looking at a graph is not <laughs> right. like what you would make a good movie. This is what lets down a lot of people when they hit <laughs> law school and become lawyers and they think it's all going to be like a dramatic <laughs> yeah. Matlock moment. Yeah. We're going to get yeah. to the accuracy of stuff later on. Um, but uh, for here, for best outburst, our runner up um, is from uh, the 1996 Joel Schumacher movie, A Time to Kill. Uh, which has gained notoriety for the clip we're about to play. Uh, it involves uh, a trial in the deep, I think Alabama or possibly Mississippi, could be wrong, somewhere in the deep south. Um, Samuel L. Jackson is on trial um, for murdering two men who raped and murdered his daughter. And, you know, in this very aggressive line of questioning by Kevin Spacey, who's the opposing counsel, he basically baits him into uh, saying some things that don't exactly look so great for his defense. Do you think men who kidnap a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. Do you think two men who rape a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. Do you think two men who hang a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. Well, what do you think should happen to them? What would be a fair sentence? Objection, do you think Your they Honor. deserve to die, Mr. Hennig? Answer the question. Carly, don't answer that question. Yes, they deserve to die. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> What's yeah, a, what's I, amazing about that scene is if <laughs> if they hadn't come in with like the insane orchestral, you still would get the like importance right. of the scene. This, <laughs> this is not this is not a particularly good movie. No, um, uh, uh, I, I don't. You can hear in the background. This is pre Matthew McConaughey. Uh, oh, sure, uh, very this, very. Pre. This is back when he was really. This is during like the first run. Oh yeah, this is. I mean, people were trying to like sort of straight face pass him off as like sure. a, as an attorney. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a time to kill. This is about, this coming off the heels of Pulp Fiction in 94 is right about the time Samuel L. Jackson went from like, nor, like, just like bit part actor to like Samuel L. Jackson, like brand, yeah. you know, like so. central shouty scream man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, we have more screaming from our winner. We do indeed. Uh, we couldn't really get through this entire show without mentioning a few good men. And that is where, uh, that is the winner of this category. Uh, as you may recall, um, the Few Good Men involves uh, two Marines who are on trial for uh, accidentally or possibly not accidentally killing one of their fellow Marines uh, when they were hazing him. Um, but uh, the question at issue in the case is whether or not they were commanded to uh, do uh, this hazing, known as a code red, uh, by their superior officer, um, uh, played by Jack Nicholson. And there's this, of course, climactic showdown. I don't even know why I have to explain this. I think everybody <laughs> knows what happens in A Few Good Men. Yep. Uh, it, it comes in two parts here, and the first uh, goes a little something like this. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! So there, what, what you see is like, you know, Colonel Jessup, who's Jack Nicholson, is not, he's not quite confessed yet, but he that's sort of the way he's masking his crime with, 
you know, these long speeches about honor and code and loyalty, which sure. comes later here. Um, but then Tom Cruise, uh, playing Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, un undeterred in his quest for the truth, uh, presses him further. Did you order the code red? I did the job. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right I did. Underrated aspect of that scene. Everyone knows you can't handle the oh, truth. Yeah. But you're goddamn right I did is like as important. Also, doesn't play over audio, but uh, Cruz, I mean, Nicholson is the is the is driving the action that scene. Cruz's reaction to that, he sort of like stands back and he like can't believe that that just happened. Yeah, because right. it's pretty unbelievable. Like I just won my case. Uh, yeah, and he's just sort of like he looks around. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, I love uh, a few good men. Uh, an early Sorkin. A lot of people forget sure. that based on his play. Um, well, I mean that dialogue is pretty pretty primo Sorkin. Yeah, and as and, real real quick. Yeah, and as any Sorkin fan would know, a lot of that dialogue would pop up in his later work. But uh, so. <laughs> This is one where it's very <laughs> unlikely this would happen in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to move on to some other unlikely things with our next category. That's wise. It's most inaccurate portrayal of a courtroom procedure. Our runner-up for the courtroom procedure category could really have played in the most disparaging portrayal of an attorney category. Yeah. Because the whole central conceit of the film liar liar is that <laughs> isn't it preposterous that a lawyer had to tell the truth for a day yeah right <laughs> there are so many movies that would have fit in that category guys. but so the scene that we're talking about here is again it's a so it's a high stakes family court trial yeah you know those happen those all happen. the time yeah the courtroom is filled with spectators <laughs> and jim carrey is questioning the lover of his client, his client. who he is clearly trying to show did not have an affair with his client that would give the husband grounds for divorce. Is your relationship with my client entirely platonic? Not! It's not your relationship with my client, boy! Bad baby, bad baby. Did you ever not make love? Did you? <gasps> Mr. Reed. You had sex with her every time you met, didn't you? Didn't you? Liar! He's badgering the witness. It's his witness. <laughs> Honestly, it's so uh, over the top, guys. The the, the runner-up in this category is literally everything Jim Carrey does. He acts like a complete insane person, right? Gesticulating and, wildly, spitting out water, like doing insane things. And there's a million other things in that movie. I mean, it's a it's a it's a farcical movie. So like, there's a yes. million other things in there. But we thought that like really hammered home the idea of like. You couldn't do any of that. No. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> right. So what about the winner in this category? So Let's, what, do we, what do we go with? That was a good one, but our winner here has to go to Big Daddy. <laughs> it simply has to. Another Which is not one people usually think, well, but not one people think of as uh, no. having big courtroom scenes, but it's but it a does. movie that ends in, a, again, a climactic family, family court scene. Yes, it does. So if you haven't seen the movie... Adam Sandler sort of accidentally adopts this kid. It sort of becomes this situation where he's maybe, you know, accidentally kidnapping this kid. <laughs> the kid learns to love him. He learns to love the kid, but the state figures out and wants to take the kid back. So there's this big scene at the end where they're having a trial over whether or not he gets to <laughs> keep his kid. And and there's a lot of things legally wrong with the scene, but but we really wanted to hammer home that that at one point he calls a surprise attorney yeah for the prosecution in the form of his father from the gallery in just, insane uh, which his, is always how that works guys i don't you know how family court works it makes 
no sense whatsoever. Family court means bring in your own family. So, oh, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, that's I never thought of it that way. But, but yeah, he, Sandler says to the judge, he's like, my my father is one of the best litigators in all of Florida. If I can con- if, if I can convince him, <laughs> then, then 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 it should be clear to everybody. Whatever the hell he says. And the, but well, but the prosecution says. You can't just call your own father right. as our attorney. And he goes on the back, you want to know what I think about my son? My son's son an idiot. Yeah. And they're like, of course, this is fine now. I would have <laughs> my objection, Your Honor. Yeah. So he gets up, he gets Adam Sandler up on the stand, and the dad starts uh, cross-examining him. Your Honor, this case is simple. It is absurd to think that Sonny Koufax is ready to raise a child. Objection! Shut up, Tommy. Sorry, Mr. Koufax. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> yeah. This goes on for a while. There's applause. Yeah. Uh, well, and as I said to you before we started, um, also his other like random people keep showing up to be his attorneys. Oh yeah. His his love interest Joey Lauren Adams, and then his friend John Stewart, who is the actual father of the kid in question. Correct. John they just Stewart show up, rolls in, and the judge is like, "You can't be another attorney." And John Stewart's like, "No, it's fine." She's like, "Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, fine. Uh, Let's yeah. do it." And then that that scene ends with the father going, "Your Honor." He deserves the kid, and everyone goes nuts. Music and swells. And that's it. It's wild. Thing. Yeah. So our next category is most overly specific line of argumentation. <laughs> yes. Which builds on, we've been talking a lot of movies that are a bit farcical. This kind of plays into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about the runner-up. Um, Legally Blonde yes. is our runner-up here. Yes. So for it. anybody who doesn't remember, this is a movie that Reese Witherspoon stars in and it was uh, beloved by all. Mm-hmm. She plays some uh, basically a, a sorority girl type who goes to law school only because her boyfriend went and she wanted to follow she him She got there. into Harvard Law. Yeah. That was the, yeah. And um, she's a surprise star at everything she does while she's wearing pink and glitter and all the things you imagine. So there's a courtroom scene where she starts uh, her line of questioning. Things aren't going well until... The witness on the stand mentions in the timeline of what's going on. Mm-hmm. That, it's a murder trial. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> that she had washed her hair, but this is a curly-haired girl on uh-huh. the stand. And Reese Witherspoon, you see this light bulb go on over her head as she figures out that no one washes their hair immediately after getting a perm. She had, that was already in her in her like alibi was that she had she had gotten a perm. There's it, a lot of jurisprudence to back that up. And it well, I mean, and a lot of practical beauty sense to back that up, guys. <laughs> I mean, that's legitimate. That movie is very silly, but that's like, I mean, you know, she, she is thriving in a male dominated world, and it would have been easy for like the whole team of male attorneys to not know that about perm maintenance. So sure. like, while it's goofy, like. That's kind of really at the at the heart of what the movie's about. And then she actually has a pretty strong line of questioning where she asks the person on the stand, "Well, how often have you gotten a perm in oh, your yeah. life?" Mm-hmm. And and there's an answer about you know a couple times a year for my whole life. And she's like, "Oh, well, you've gotten thirty perms then." Do you not know about the maintenance of this hairstyle? So yeah. it starts really far school, and then it actually becomes pretty good use of the law there. Yes. <laughs> so that's a fine runner-up. But the reason that it didn't win is because, um, I mean, basically that scene, great as it is, owes a great amount to our winner in this category. Yes. And it is, of course, the grits cross-examination <laughs> from my cousin Vinny. Which is amazing. Uh we could have honestly built the entire show around my cousin Vinny. Sure. It is such a staple. Um, it's about uh, nine different scenes that we thought would fit into different genre. categories. But here, uh, this is again another murder trial, um, and one of the key witnesses attests that you know uh, the suspects went into a store, and five minutes later they came out after having shot this store clerk. Um, and the five minutes there is sort of a key window because he mm-hmm. says it was in the time that he was making breakfast. Uh, the attorney, uh, sort of fish out of water, Joe Pesci, uh, uh, in from Brooklyn. Litigating in Alabama, 
um, finds a hole in this story about, uh, about him making breakfast. Are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than on any place on the face of the earth? I don't know. Well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. Were these magic grits? I mean, did you buy them from the same guy who sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Uh, objection, Your Honor. Objection sustained. Are you Mr. sure about Tipton, that five minutes? Ignore the question. Know. Are you sure about that five minutes? I don't know. I think you made your point. Are you sure about that five minutes? I may have been mistaken. I got no more use for this guy. I didn't know Vin was back in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, what Guys, can you say? I, I love this one because it shows, we talked about two movies back to back, and particularly My Cousin Vinny, where it's funny, it's a comedy, it's farcical, but this is how good cases are made yeah. on like the facts of what's going on the Wall and Street, proving timelines and the, that kind of thing. The Wall Street Journal wrote an article, I think, a year or two ago that was like law students and law professors, like to a person say that the, the this is this movie is not without its farcical elements, of course, but the, the movie that has gotten closest to the actual way the legal process is supposed to work is my cousin. Well, they Vinny. talk about discovery at one point. I know. They're like, they're like it's called discovery, dummy. Like, yeah. it's, it's amazing. They explain legal concepts. Well, and, the- and, and, and the judge is on his case about learning rules of procedure, and sure. Alabama gives him like that thick, like, Alabama criminal procedure law right. book. It's an incredible movie. Uh, again, it was it was tough to just find one thing to talk about with my cousin Vinny. This is sort of a, a catch-all award for all of it. We could have uh, talked about one youths or two youths. Yes, very yeah, much Yeah, lots so. of great stuff in there. So now this brings us to our final category, guys. We saved a big one for last, and that's best argument. Love it. I mean, this is our last category for a reason. It's the it's the centerpiece of any, you know, a good closing argument, a good opening argument. It's it's because it's so built for drama, right? Like yeah, it's definitely. it's a it's a soliloquy. It's it's getting up there and just giving this monologue. And this is one all. where um, screenwriters are not going so off script. Like no, it's we true. cover here at Law Three Sixty, openings and closings are things we really relish because mm-hmm. they do have all that drama, yeah, especially for juries where you have to make it like a palatable Tell story. A story right? Yeah, yeah. So speaking of stories, telling a story to a jury. Our runner-up is arguably one of the greatest American stories of all time. It's To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. I mean, Everyone, I'm, 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 I'm sure our older listeners will be happy that we picked a movie from sure. more than 20 years and ago. And we did, we did try to figure out something to do 12 Angry Men, but it, it just didn't, it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, so our, our, the, there's, there's not many closing arguments that are as iconic, maybe none, as, mm-hmm. as Atticus Finch's famous scene where he's defending he's defending a black man who was accused in the deep south in the 1950s of raping a white woman yeah and he's and he's presented his case uh, you know and 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 he's he, he's demonstrated a good amount of evidence that that his that his client is 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 innocent but now you know he's he's sort of he is very passionate pleased to the jury to say you know strip away what you what, sure. you what you think you understand about black men in this country and just do your duty well and he's just speaking to like the and this is i i you know, this is this is another one of these things where it would be shown to people who uh, wanted to become a lawyer or wanted to, you know, Definitely. it's it, it it is the most he, he there's a line in there about I'm not an idealist and everything else. Oh, but yeah. like mm-hmm. this is idealism. This is this is what we want out of the court system. This is the idea that like the court is getting to something real and you're stripping away any passion or anything like that. So that one's so iconic. And so many attorneys say that that book and that movie inspired them to go into the law. What could possibly be the winner in this category if that wasn't it? Definitely a little home cooking here because this is one of my and Bill's uh, and 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 a lot of people's favorite uh, Lego movie. The winner in this category 
goes to Denzel Washington's opening argument from the 1993 movie Philadelphia. Uh, named after your hometown, Bill. Oh, well, I was going to say, what better time to talk about the movie Philadelphia <laughs> yeah, than right Phil- after? Philadelphia really having a moment Having here. a great moment. Won, won the <laughs> Super Bowl. Everything. Won the most prestigious prosy. I mean, <laughs> right. wow. What a winning streak. The uh, the case in the movie uh, is, is an employment case, Amber. A case after yeah. your heart. Tom Hanks is a successful attorney who is fired after his employers discover that he has AIDS. He sues them for discrimination. And uh, Denzel Washington takes up the case. Now, the behavior of Andrew Beckett's employers may seem reasonable to you. It does to me. After all, AIDS is a deadly, incurable disease. But no matter how you come to judge Charles Wheeler and his partners in ethical, moral, and inhuman terms, the fact of the matter is, when they fired Andrew Beckett because he had AIDS, they broke the law. Oh, it doesn't get better than that. Much like what I said about Julia Roberts and Aaron Brockovich, this is one of about like seven or eight great Denzel Washington stretches. Um, Tom Hanks uh, deservedly won his Oscar. Yeah, it's it's the showier part. He has AIDS. He's again blanket spoiler alert. He dies uh, in the movie. Um, But it is Denzel Washington's story. Joe Miller. I mean, it's just. I mean, he is overcoming his own prejudices. And that's what is so great in a show. We've talked about some bad portrayals of attorneys. This is a portrayal of an attorney who really digs deep within himself and does right by the law. Well, it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B, right? Because the the, the bad guys here are a corporate law firm. Well, yes. the, the whole beginning of the movie takes place in this mm-hmm. big this True. big big law firm in Philadelphia. And and so it puts both of these portrayals that we've been talking about all day, this like idealistic idea of what the law is supposed to be, but also this sort of grimy portrayal of lawyers puts them sort of into conflict. It's incredibly poignant. Uh, it's a wonderful movie. It has great um, there's a, a lengthy scene where they're going through employment and, and discrimination precedent in a, in, in a, in, in a library. Um, and it's just uh, it, it really is. It really is not afraid to sort of get you into the de- uh, into the details um, while still telling like a really noble uh, and emboldening story about the law. I think I hear the music swelling beneath us. Are they, oh, no. just, they're, Are they they're playing, playing us off? off? I mean, I'm, I'm here. Alex and I wanted to keep filibustering. I, 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 I would have kept talking about okay, Philadelphia all first night. First of all, first of all, so I have. Okay, so <laughs> I want to thank my, Denzel Washington. Okay, I want to thank um, everyone thank for joining Roberts. us tonight. Um, all our winners. Wow, Gregory wow, Peck. Okay. May he rest in peace. Don't play me off. Come on. This is a really fun one today. We'll be back next week with a more normal formatted show, but we hope everybody enjoys the Oscars and thinks about some great legal movies to go see. Thanks for being with me, Bill. See you again next week, guys. And Alex. Thanks, guys. We also want to thank our producers, Kelly Marcano and Stephen Trader, our contributing reporters, Michael Phyllis and Ben Guerreri. Music for the show comes from Silent Partner and Little Glass Men. If you want to know more about anything we talk about on the podcast, check out our website at law360.com slash podcast. And if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. See you again next week.